Lots of things in crypto. Never a dull, never a dull day in crypto. Even when no one yeah, really dude, wants to talk about it the, in the real world. But what's up with Bitmex guy? Like, what's his oh, name again? Oh, you mean Lord Hayes, as as he's known? <laughs> is that what he? Calls I love himself? that his his nickname is Lord Hayes. No, that's just what he's kind of known in like in some of my uh, chat groups and on Twitter and oh, stuff. God. It's such a <laughs> ridiculous figure. He's always got that grin on his face. Yeah. Although he's he's I mean he's a genius for what he did. I mean he saw he saw the opportunity. He saw a market and an opportunity like to make uh, some money and fuck with poor people <laughs> at the at the most opportune times. And I mean, you know his like he's famous for saying what what is it like you know, we don't we don't care which direction it goes, whether the price goes up or down, we make money both ways. It's just so ah man. I uh I hate I hate shorting. I feel like you're chew. It's like betting against your your favorite team because you want to make money off of their loss. It is. And I feel yeah. like it's just very. It's like very like unproductive. And when we're trying to change the world, like it's, you're betting against us changing the world for the better. <laughs> yeah. Is that like ethically responsible? I mean, sure. But I mean, no, it's not. But like, I mean, is is it like acceptable to do? And is it illegal? I mean, I guess technically it's illegal in America. But I just uh, no, it's just I so mean, frustrating. You can, you can buy puts, and I mean, you can you can you can short with options in in the U.S. market. Oh, in the stock you? market. Yeah, yeah I, I meant Bitmex, but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Bitmex. Yeah, um, or just I mean, then there's like trading with margin. Uh, we've talked about that on the show before, but just how. I mean, uh, you know, a hundred times leverage is just unheard of. And I know that there are some like, like Forex exchanges and trading platforms where you can leverage a lot, but at least with, with Forex, it somewhat makes sense because of, you know, the volatility is so much less than in crypto, but why would you need to leverage a hundred times a position for an asset that can move 10% in a second? It's like, yeah, it's, it's and, and uh, you know, there's reason that there, there's 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 a lot of speculation of why the Bart Simpson heads happen in yeah. the charts. And yeah. if you don't know what a Bart Simpson head, it looks like <laughs> manipulation in the charts. It goes up and it spikes, creates a little Bart Simpson spiky head and then it drops back down. It's kind of ubiquitous in in trading circles. But a lot of people believe that that isn't manipulation. What that is, is that it's people over leveraging that they're they're leveraging so much that when somebody even like just takes one glance at the buy button it just liquidates a bunch <laughs> of positions and everybody gets squeezed out and that's what causes that um which makes a lot of sense you know it's just a immediate short squeeze or immediate long squeeze so so did the bart simpson not exist before um early or, or late 2017 when bitmex opened uh, Wait a minute. Well, so, so when so when when did Bitmex open? Bitmex has been open since I don't know twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. It's okay. I, they've been they've been operational for a while. The only reason okay. I know that is because I looked up some videos on YouTube of like early early Bitmex and what they were up to. Because I thought when I first saw Bitmex, I thought something is shady going on here, and then it yeah. turns out that they've been around for a while. 
of course they all are expatriates and live in Hong Kong and you know probably can't come back to the US ever but um uh so I if mean, you don't know he Hayes uh what's his first name again Arthur Arthur Hayes Arthur so Arthur Hayes uh owner of Bitmex creator of Bitmex for the last year he's been like bitcoin to $50,000 like that's my call and then literally 3 days ago he goes bitcoin $2,000. <laughs> you know that so, anybody who makes calls like that, I mean, think about it. You have like, ridiculous. who else makes calls like John McAfee says he's going to eat his own dick on TV <laughs> or whatever. Uh, if, if Bitcoin doesn't go to, you know, 50,000 by July or, or whatever, these people make these calls for attention. I mean, yeah, Arthur Hayes is just, he's loving the attention right now. He's, he's made himself a celebrity in this scene just by being a hated hated figure and yet people love to use bitmex and i understand i mean especially at times like this when the volatility is really low and you're trading and you want to make you need to make money because that's what you do then you might need it that's really dangerous though when you have an asset that can easily do five or ten percent in like a split second uh, yeah anyway about bitmex you want to talk you want to talk about bitmex right now you want to talk more about it because like, I don't really have anything else to say. I just, I just thought that was funny. I thought I'd bring in that. But if you have something you wanna, you want, you want to address? Not really. But when I was, uh, but we can talk about um, the the Bcash hard fork because when I, I, you know, I heard when I first heard about the the hard fork. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, I just, I just wanted to mention just, that. No, that, just really fast, just really fast, just really yeah. fast. Hold on. Hey, everybody! It's Michael and the Bear. Yeah, sorry, we forgot. <laughs> welcome, the welcome to the show. <laughs> We're doing these soft openings, and sometimes we just forget to introduce the show. <laughs> Michael and the Bear, thanks for tuning in. Okay, now I'm Michael. Oh. He's JJ. Yeah, damn. You... It's all good. It's we all got, good. We got to set a timer next time. Uh, yeah, you've been listening to Michael and the Bear. Okay, so I once, we're we're doing this because once we get ads, we need to find actual times to break and insert oh, yeah. an ad. Right. <laughs> So, okay, so, so okay, BCH, so, so I, Cash, I, I heard the about the cryptocurrency in the world. I heard about the fork. Um, I had no idea what the fork was actually about. Um, I just heard that there was drama. Craig Wright had something to say about it. So, but yeah. when I actually looked up, when I actually Googled to find out what the fork actually was, I didn't find anything um, at all about what the fork was trying to achieve. All I found out was which exchanges were supporting it, um, who was pissed off at who, and something about BitMEX because I guess they're having they're, they're trying to support it even though they don't trade actual crypto, they trade futures. I thought it was yeah. interesting if you Google Bit, Bitcoin Cash hard fork, well, the first three articles that come up are on BitMEX for some reason. That's how much they've, they've taken the limelight. Wow, and that's just one I wanted to connect Bit Bitmex to Bitcoin Cash before we start talking about this. What side are they coming out on? I don't I don't know if they're coming out on a side at all, um, <laughs> but I think that they do have to figure out what they're going to start trading because uh, if you know if you're new to crypto and you don't know you're not familiar with this hard fork thing that everyone's talking about. Whenever a cryptocurrency needs to make an update, because it's based on consensus or supposed to be based on consensus, you can't. It's not like just software that you have on your computer where the company can release an update and then you install it. It's you need to get millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people or however many people actually use your crypto 
to agree to use the new version, which often can create two separate cryptocurrencies, the old one and the new one with the changes. And right now we've got for Bitcoin Cash, which it was originally a hard fork of Bitcoin that was contentious. Now a year and a month, two months later, we've got what's what's his name? Uh, the so the there's Roger Ver. Oh, I was thinking of a bit Bitcoin Bitcoin ABC versus Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. I, I can't remember. He's got a he's is he French? He's got a French sounding last name that I don't know how to pr- pronounce. But uh, there was. There was, he wanted to do some critical updates to the sort of infrastructure of the coin, and 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 correct me if I'm if I got this wrong, but Craig Craig Satoshi Wright, um, <laughs> faux Satoshi, Fotoshi, fake Satoshi, he is like, no, I don't want that. Um, we're just gonna fork it here, and I'm gonna have my own Bitcoin Cash. I mean, that's kind of what it seemed like. And then Bitmain came out and said, no, we're not going to support Craig Wright's version of, of Bitcoin Cash. So it seems like it's even more drama than it is tech. It is the, I mean, the technology is there to increase the block size, which they do. They plan that every two years. and um, Or twice a year. Is it twice a year that they increase the block size of Bitcoin Cash? I have no. I, okay. I, I pay zero attention so, to Bitcoin Cash. I think that's going to be a problem with the episode of this podcast is neither of us really care about Bitcoin Cash much at all. <laughs> so, like, you know, when we're talking about this, it's probably going to be more about the drama that goes on than the yeah. actual than yeah. the actual updates. I like believe we're the peanut gallery. We're the two old yeah. guys in the peanut gallery with no idea what's going on. It's <laughs> just talking shit the entire time. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, the drama is fun. I mean, it's funny. It's funny to talk about. But I mean, especially for somebody who has just made himself another another crypto villain. We've got Lord Hayes and Craig Satoshi Wright. Craig oh, S. Wright. Well, I mean, uh, if, if you listen me, to our pro- past podcast. Professor Craig Wright. I mean, if you listen to our past podcast, you'll remember we did an episode on, on Craig Wright and just what a complete asshat he is. He went into... I forget which country it was, like Uganda or something like that, and just completely belittled the entire country. He's like, I don't need you. I can do whatever I want in this country. Like, I've got so much money. I can buy your entire country. I mean, he's just like a, a total dick. And, and I've so never, I, he, he, yeah. I've never actually heard yeah. him say anything intelligent. Um, I've never, like, that seems to be the thing that kind of gets me is that he has this company, uh, Enchain, that is like a software development cryptocurrency business where they, I don't know what they do. I guess they make they make software. Um, but he's got this group of developers that, you know, I guess, I guess they own a bunch of Bitcoin Cash or something like that. It's just classic big personality, rich, rich person wanting to improve the value they're wanting to increase the value of whatever they have they're just master shillers is what they are and this is why i (laughs) this is why i hate bitcoin this is why i hate it this is why i think it's a complete failure in terms of uh, a decentralized currency for the people it's not decentralized and it's not a currency and it's not for the people (laughs) it's completely manipulated and controlled by rich people and when these rich people have their fucking temper tantrums, all of a sudden it screws up the entire thing, like what we're seeing now. So Craig Wright says, I'm going to block and stop BCH 
ABC or whatever, like whatever Roger Ver's version is going to be, I'm going to block it from happening, which he f- technically physically can't do. Like he, it's it's he doesn't have it's it's physically impossible for him to do that because that would mean he would have to control the hash rate of his own Bitcoin Cash fork as well as the other Bitcoin Cash fork. Which is physically impossible unless you own like every single computer on the face of the planet. So yeah. the fact that he's making these wild claims and accusations just shows that like it's just a, like they've now got too much money for their own good. They're not living in reality anymore. They're not connected to humanity and the average person. So how on earth can they create a, a cryptocurrency, a, a daily driver? Uh, currency for the rest of the world when they have no clue what's going on with the rest of the world like they're just so in a bubble that it it makes it makes any decision they make completely obsolete and ridiculous so this is my problem with bitcoin bitcoin cash just all of these where when you have it controlled by the richest people i.e the people who can afford to buy the most expensive miner it's no longer a decentralized like utilitarian currency for the people it's 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 controlled by the rich which is the whole thing that satoshi was trying to fight against with wall street is he didn't want centralized money well now bitcoin is just centralized capital it's like centralized gold and it's just like ugh. well i I get so frustrated i think that's i mean we're seeing you could you could argue that that's what bitcoin cash really was it was a it was a chance for some of the people who are the richest who own the most Bitcoin to actually try to own even more Bitcoin by making it their own. But that that hasn't really worked for Bitcoin Cash. I mean, that, that that's they're not Bitcoin. And and I mean, Bitcoin is still pretty decentralized. I don't think I think it's possible that it could be manipulated to the point where, you know, it is controlled by a couple of miners and that's it. But it's not there yet. And, and I don't know, maybe there'll be a way to protect it against it, or maybe we'll just have to all use altcoins in the future. Well, so, so here, here's, my, here's my rebuttal of that is... It's a, it's a big problem. How many, how many minor groups control the majority of Bitcoin? It's like, what, four or five? Or, I mean, there's only a, a few okay. of them. So that's like, a cartel. And we talked about this a few, mm-hmm. like, a, like a month ago. Like Bitcoin is essentially run by a cartel, and no. so if, if that cartel decides to work together, they literally have a hundred percent control over Bitcoin. Right. If they if they collude together, like so, we have laws in place in our country that stop that that outlaw collusion. Yeah, but meaning I mean, Samsung and Sony can't work together to drive up prices for TVs. But do That's do you really think though that like I mean, you get a handful of banks buying and selling fiat currencies in the world, you're going to get that same manipulation and there are people that believe that currency is manipulated the exact same way and that's why we have these crazy forex markets. I mean, they really are just moved around by banks, aren't they? Yeah. It's just it's just a much larger that's scale. That's how oil so, is. That's how gold is. That's how so, all this stuff is. So well, not so much gold because gold is dug I mean, up by anybody. But I mean, but, but it's gold is definitely one of the heavy, heavy, most heavily uh, um, manipulated uh, commodities or assets or whatever it is. But I mean, ultim- I, that, ultimately, that, any asset has the danger of being manipulated. So if there's only 10 Superman number ones left in the world and JJ and I own 
four of them. I own four and he owns four. We can manipulate the price of those other two that are on the free market easily. So Bitcoin is not much, not really much different than the dollar after all. And pretty soon we're going to have an ETF and we're going to have a, instead of the, uh, the, uh, the, um, what is the dollar dollar um, volatility index? We're just gonna have the Bitcoin volatility index. Yeah. And uh, so, what do we do? How do we solve this problem? How do we how do we make people aware that the problem even exists? Because I think that's one of the that was that's one of the big problems in crypto that I have is that most people right now, especially, are interested in speculation, and it's really hard. It's re- I mean, it can be hard to discuss some of these things, and yet. We're often discussing them with the people that are the most open-minded to these issues. Most people who are into crypto, whether it's for the technology or for trading or whatever, most of them are, you know, they don't really like the banks and the way banks do things, the way that we have banks now. Um, But at the same time, most people will agree that, yeah, we, we need custodial services and other things that banks bring to the world of fiat. We kind of need that in crypto in order for adoption to, to happen. So, Which is frustrating. So, like, and, and this is something that I keep banging my head against a wall about, and JJ knows this. So I, I, I formulated a loose idea for a blockchain currency, and I'm not a coder. So I kind of wrote up a four-page, just basic, basic rough draft of the idea. And I'm trying to get anybody to read it. I mean, like anybody. And I'm I'm saying, like, I, I will walk away from the project. You can take full control. I don't care. I'll give it away to anybody for free. You know, just give me your notes. Give me your opinion. Give me your thoughts. Anybody who has any sense of how to code and whether this is possible. And I, I, I like one guy on Reddit read it. Ha ha. Um, and, uh, and he had some really interesting questions. But I can't get anybody else to read it. And I think just people are so invested in their current holdings and people are so invested in the current system. Like nobody really cares about reading something else or or thinking about something else. And That's really I hard worry right that yeah. I worry that human beings are so ingrained in central authority that no amount of a better idea or a different idea will sway them that is so it's kind of like muscle memory when you when you work out for 10 years every single day and you take a year off no matter really how far you stray away as soon as you start working out again your muscles just swing right back to where they were and i worry that yeah. this the, the we've created so much muscle memory in our brains about central authority that no matter how far we start to shift, as soon as something happens, we're just going to swing right back into accepting it. And I mean, you know the way I feel about this. This is like this is not this is this is as intentional as it gets. I mean, it's it almost makes me a little nauseous to think about it. To like to think of how I was how I was brought up in this country and what I was brought up to appreciate and believe and to value and. Uh, I mean, just to, I mean, cause I feel like I've, I was lied to in a lot of ways that, you know, the, just being, you know, the American dream sort of thing. It's like, uh, 
I mean, what I remember like the first time I got a bank account, nobody explained to me what banking was. Nobody explained to me how a bank worked. No, the, the bank was explained to me as, oh, this is a safe place to put your money and you'll be able to write your own checks. That's what, that's what people, that's, I mean, when I was a teenager when an adult taught me that, like basically a parent said, you should have a, uh, you should have a bank account. This is what adults use. This is what adults have. Yeah. You'll have it. You'll get a debit card and you'll eventually be able to get a credit card and you'll be able to write checks. And I thought, oh, cool. Being an adult. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll start putting money in there and start saving it up. Not really thinking about what, what that is and what that does to people and yeah it's 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 interesting because you know when i like uh, so i i have a part-time job where i teach i teach high school um i teach at a at a at a high school in los angeles and my students a lot of my students don't they don't believe in banks not because they're into crypto or anything they just don't quite get banks and i yeah. I'm, whenever i hear that i'm like that's awesome because <laughs> you know like how, one of my how old are they they're 15 i mean though they understand banks but like one student said like why is the bank closed on saturday and sunday and i was like yeah you know what i don't know why the, why the fuck is the bank closed on saturday and sunday i mean that like what so, so people that can take the weekend off like that doesn't make sense. Like, no, nobody well, at McDonald's. It absolutely gets a makes sense because we fought. So May Day is some is a holiday that we created in America that other countries adopted, which was about um, fighting for labor rights, and it took unions in our country fighting for forty-hour work week, a five-day work week, and allowing two days off to recoup, and no, that's, that's why. But that's a, that's a reason for why we have why we have that the why we have that culture of phenomenon or whatever you want to call it that standard in this country yeah. but if you were a bank and you were in competition with other banks you could stay open on the weekends like there's no i mean there's nothing well, i that think says the idea is if it's it's accepted that wall street shuts down over the weekend Oh, another so thing. Bank, oh, why? So banks just enjoy, well because people work five days a week in this country. They work Monday through Friday, and because so the idea is like if something went wrong and you had to like really dig into it. I mean, they they have people work full time. I mean, they, there's somebody who works on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, like most so, banks yeah. are open on Saturday for a half day. They're almost all open on Saturday for a half day. You know, Saturday morning up until like noon or one or two. Um, and there's almost always somebody on 24-hour support on major banks. You can call up 24 hours a day, anytime, and somebody's going to answer the phone. Credit unions, anyway, not so much. My but. point was not like banks suck because they're closed on Sundays. I was making a point <laughs> about like the system is so archaic that they're still adhering to this old-fashioned system that doesn't really exist for new generations. Like sure. the 15-year-olds that I teach, sure. they're not entering a world where there are weekends. Like, sure, they go to school five days a week, but like in the future, I mean... But we need to teach them that, I feel like. I feel like that's... that's uh, we need to teach them what? A failure like, of on our on our part is to teach them how important a weekend is. How how important having two days off to rest and recoup, um, because yeah. Europe is Europe is showing that they're working less hours and they're more productive than we are. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to so happen. Because we work, as as work becomes something that's that's in demand, and if people and if work is something that people need, like if if people are looking for work, I mean, I work on weekends because. 
because there's a demand there and I have an opportunity to work. So I do. And I think that in the future, it's even, I mean, the internet does not sleep. So like people are going to be working all the time. And we yeah, do need to teach them. You have them, to realize to that people. if you want to be more productive because you don't work for a nine to five job that shuts down, that, that tells you you have to take two days off because you're a freelancer like I am, we have to set our own um, safeguards in place so we're as productive as possible. And I think that's what I mean. Like we need to teach the next generation is there's going to be a demand to try to get the next generation to work 80 hours a week and think that's normal. To work 100 hours a week and think that's normal. To work seven days a week and think that's normal. When we fought and died, people died fighting for a five-day work week. That is going to be a real challenge, I think. I mean, yeah, teaching people that, oh, yeah, that's a tough one. You know, and like I said, that's Europe is showing that, th that they've realized that if you work too much, you start to become less productive and actually are a hindrance to the success of your company because mm -hmm. you make more mistakes and you're less alert and you're not and you're not being as productive. So not only are you not yeah, being well, as productive, we'll but you're actually being counterproductive to the success of your company. Hmm. And so we just kind of refuse to accept that in this country. We have this cowboy mentality, like you just gotta like rub rub dirt in it and get your ass up off the ground and keep working, no matter how tired you are. Oh, yeah. If if you there's work hustling. that needs to get done, you gotta do it. Get her done. Yeah. The problem with like, it is not is not the I don't think it's so much the mentality. Uh, that's not the what I'm really worried about. I'm worried that that there are going to be people who take advantage of others by by engendering that 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 thing. What? Are, well, um, I worked mentality. in the oil fields. They take advantage. Rich people take advantage of poor people. Poor white people yeah. in the oil fields, and they tell them, "Hey, don't complain. Get get the job done. Get her done." Right. Don't complain. So, don't don't call your union rep. Don't call OSHA. Don't call the city. You know, oh, there's a gas spill. Don't call anybody. Clean it up. Get her done. Or just make sure yeah. nobody notices. Like, that is the attitude in the oil fields, and it's dangerous. Yeah, that's a big problem. People big die problem. because of that, you know. And so, like, that's the that was the mentality back in the, te like, the, the aughts and the 20s. And then, you know, the early 1900s, and that's what union people fought for to get these. Um, if, yeah, if we're going to have organized workforce in this country, which I don't, I don't know what the future is going to look like. I really don't. I mean, yeah. one, of the, one of the reasons I started teaching is kind of because I wanted to be able to see what the future was like. And I mean, I love my students, but it is kind of bleak. Um, just like to see what people are still learning not what they're being taught but what they're learning and yeah. uh and what they're picking up and what they're what they're valuing that's that's been kind of a mind not mind-blowing part of being a high school teacher it's like just kind of like wow that's what you're learning that's what you're taking with you that's what you want um but i think even, you know yeah. to, to bring it back to crypto i think this is crypto, oh, yeah, this could is a, crypto be show. a really important tool to stop the rich and the elite from manipulating poor people and from overworking them to death and from like there's Unless having stuff on a blockchain it's very it's it's impossible to manipulate that and you can't say oh they didn't work those hours and it's like they were there 
the blockchain proves it you know it's like look at the blockchain they were working on a system they were logged in they were typing away they were you know contributing it's, to the blockchain on it that's actually not a use case we see very often is um is just is just using it as a as an as an open as an open database like that i mean probably yeah. because most people think oh well you know amazon web services does that same thing and i don't think that's the same i think i think no. that's very different i think being able to have a an open source ledger of that is going to be really really useful in the future it's going to be critical it's going to be critical yeah. that that yeah. that is is not controlled by anyone it's controlled by everyone i mean could you imagine if you were working for a company and when as soon as you started typing you were contributing to a block and when you stopped typing you stopped contributing to that block. And so you could actually measure how much output that person did in that day on that shift. And so, mm. it, you know, so you couldn't say, well, that person wasn't working. You know, say, well, we have proof the person was working. Because mm. we have, you know, the nine and a half hours they were contributing to that block. Yeah. That's that that's that's going to be interesting because people work in different ways. Some people don't. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I you know, and maybe it's not typing. Maybe it's something else. But like something like like maybe it's their heart rate monitor. Something like, is, it's it's like got to be. They, it's got to be measurable. You know, because yeah. um, I mean, I know that a lot of the work that I do is waiting for other people, but it's not something that you can measure because I'm waiting for other people to finish something. Oh, it's still work for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's measuring their 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 heart rate when they're in their cubicle or something like that and when they leave their cubicle it doesn't it's no longer registering it and they're not you know something like that like something like yeah. if, if you're on premise you're you're being tracked on the, on the blockchain while you're on their premise yeah. and it's just proof that you're there and you're working and you're you know you're doing something and so yeah, I, I mean look like i'm not that's the thing that's that's for somebody above my pay grade to figure out like something somebody with the technical know-how but it's just the idea of like that's that's what we need to start coming up with is like these ideas of how do we protect not so much the worker but our but our product our productivity as a country because we know when we overwork people our pr productivity goes lower and if we want to be successful and stable as a country we have to create a stable productivity level not something that is like Bitcoin or Bart Simpson's head and just goes up and down, up and down, because that's, you know, that makes us unsustainable long term as our country. And I think that's what gets frustrating with our current political system is like every every four or eight years, you know, we give somebody a blank check and they destroy the country and then somebody else comes and fix it. And the next person gets a blank check and destroys the country and the next person comes back and fixes it. And it's just like, that's not sustainable. That's disastrous and so yeah all right next yeah, topic I, <laughs> <laughs> sorry i I'm was just kidding. thinking it's kind of interesting like there are that that idea of of being kind of constantly or not constantly but frequently plugged into a system that can monitor what is happening for your own good and for the good of efficiency but i think there's a lot of people that really hate that idea that idea of like being connected in that way um, sure, but if they if they know it's there to protect them as a safeguard for themselves, as proof that so they can't get screwed over by their employer, yeah, maybe. I don't, I wouldn't mind. 
you know? Yeah, maybe. I, don't, I guess I don't know. It depends on how well I understood that system. But that's, because right now, that's why transparency so think about, is so important. Yeah, so think of it right now. Is like, so if you have, nobody can track your Bitcoin wallet unless they actually know your address. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, if there's a billion addresses on this blockchain, on this productivity blockchain, is it really going to matter if, if you're looking at, you know, wallet number 18743Z56? Like, you don't know who that is. It's not but about privacy. Somebody knows who that is. I'm not talking about privacy, although that is, that is a concern. I just think that the idea of that, the, the solution to a lot of problems is that we get connected and we become part of this machine. I think that's going to rub people the wrong way. Is that I think yeah. that I think that is something that's like, you know, we're getting to the point in technology where a lot of people are starting to value being disconnected, be like unplugging. How do you get away? You know, I've heard people say ridiculous things like, oh, I'm going to spend, you know, $20,000 to go on this retreat where they take away my phone. And that's what I'm paying them to do. I'm, th- I'm going to an island where, you know, someone's going to take away my phone uh, because I, I need that in my life. I need to disconnect. And so there is, yeah. there is this, there are, there are people that feel like that's the only way they can take a vacation. That's the only way they can rest is by not emailing, texting, being on Facebook and these things. So if that becomes, you know, if that's become something that people value in the future, that like disconnecting the idea of plugging yourself into a system for efficiency and for protection. I don't know. I don't know how that could go in a bunch of different directions. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a trip to think about. Like, yeah, maybe well, the future is. Well, so like when I have a heart rate monitor on, I'm not necessarily thinking about it when I'm on my bike ride. It's just there in the background. I don't mm-hmm. feel like, oh my god, I'm plugged in and I can't, you know, I can't, I can't. Somebody's enjoy the collecting. Scenery. Somebody's collecting the metadata of my heart right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, if if I share, if I sh- if I use one that if I use one that shares without my permission to the world. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't do that. I buy ones that don't mm-hmm. have Wi-Fi access and don't have internet access. And I, I literally just plug it into my own computer and I download that data. And Yeah, but uh, having an electronic device is not being connected, but, but having that stream, that constant stream open, that is being connected. So it's like, yeah, if you have a workplace where whenever you start typing, that's when you're contributing like and that's how you get paid is by connecting it's like some episode of black mirror where like people feel like they have to be connected to the machine in order to get what they need or something like that i, I mean like well i mean that's basically upwork right now if you've ever worked on upwork you have to log in uh, you start man, working and then when you log out and that's that's how you get paid that is crazy to me the same with uber it's like yeah it's like they had they're tracking every little thing and um yeah at least yeah that yeah, it's yeah i don't know how i feel about that but i mean at the same time that's how these companies protect their their businesses because otherwise there's just way too many ways to to work around them I yeah mean, it seems like yeah piracy but also at the same time these protect the worker because they have proof they can say hey so-and-so is tracking me or i wasn't there at that time and this is the proof and so yeah, i so mean it's like I mean, that, that makes sense to me too. I mean, like I said, this is above my pay grade. I don't have the skill set to actually implement something like this, but I feel like this is kind of what you and I talk about. And I think it's interesting for us to like dig into like, do we feel like you're visibly uncomfortable by the idea of this? 
I'm I'm watching so I'm watching JJ in our Google Hangouts and just like I, I can tell that he's just like I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> you know and it's no it's not that it's that I know my wife would be uncomfortable with it because <laughs> <laughs> she's always the one who's like kind of like she doesn't like the fact that I'm always connected and she's always trying to get me away so I'm kind of like th- I'm always thinking like God I don't think I don't think Dana would really appreciate <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> we have like my wife and I have we have these kind of arguments all the time about is technology a good thing or a bad thing and it's like well of course it's good it, it adds all these awesome things to our life it makes our lives so much easier it's it it helps people it does all these things and it's like were we better off when we were cavemen you know it's like yeah. <laughs> were we better yeah. off when we were hunters and gatherers like the question is like i don't know i think we were probably better off when we didn't have anything i don't know if all I mean, you had to worry if all you had to worry about was getting eaten by you know saber-toothed tigers then like yeah, yeah look, you didn't cr- have time like, to enter, get depressed. Like, so, so the, you know they say uh as as biggie once said mo money mo problems and it's just like there's always going to be as you increase uh, the stability of your life, it's going to add in a whole new set of problems. So we're living longer lifespans, but now people are getting, you know, there's a million types of cancers, right? And now we have, you know, and technology is getting better, um, but now there's AR-15s and machine guns, you know? And so there's all these new ways to die. So as we, as we, as our technology is helping us live longer, there's just a whole new host of things. And so it's like, yeah, is it better? Relatively, but like, what's the point of living a hundred years if you're emotionally stunted and you're spiritually stunted and you're a complete asshole? Like, what's the point of being on the planet if you aren't learning and growing as a human being? Like, it, is it yeah, beneficial we, to live to a hundred? No, not really. It's one thing living to 100 and dealing with those problems, but now we've got severe depression in like five-year-old kids. And that just doesn't yeah. seem like something that is natural to me. Like at least not, like there's no way that the human race could have always had depressed children. I, I, can't, I don't believe that. And I believe that that is something that we've done to ourselves. To, no, I, I mean, I mean I we've, just always, believe that we've always had depression. We've always, you think we've always had depression? Yeah. Always. Yeah, because depression is really? a clinical thing. Depression isn't isn't an emotional feeling. It's a clinical it's a clinical thing. Oh, I know that, but that doesn't mean it's not something that is was that was was either created by us or that was part of evolution to where we are now. I mean, that's what I believe. I believe that something has led us up to a point now where we have more depressed children than we ever did in the past. I mean, no, if you go it back might not in time, true. maybe, if you maybe go back during in time, the middle people ages, people committed suicide a lot. Yes. Like you hear okay, about so it in writing all the time. There, there were periods in time that were obviously more depressed than others. I mean, like you had the middle ages, you had the dark ages after the fall of the Roman empire where people were severely depressed. Even during the Roman empire, of course there was all kinds of crazy shit, but like, I just feel like when people like, if you take people who have to, who, I, I don't know, I, this is a really hard <laughs> thing to argue. Just because I believe that if you have, if you are living day to day, trying to, trying to survive and 
and you're living yeah, and that and this, it, this doesn't this is going to be too hard to, to explain on the show i think i just feel okay, like so so how about yeah. this how about this during a recession people's depressions become more pre- prevalent in times of depression or in times of of hardship and pain depression becomes more noticeable and comes out of people who during positive times may not have been as susceptible to the natural chemical things going on in their brain. Yeah. And we're and at, just, we're at a point right now with technology that it's really kind of drawing that out of us and it's making it more clear. And so technology isn't necessarily the great, greatest thing for that. Yeah. So, but I, I think we're, we're, we're realizing that as a society that it's actually harming a lot of people and we need to start addressing the things of the things people are doing to draw that out and and yeah i'm thinking more like early on in evolution human race when we were lived in tribes and we were hunter gatherers and our main things that we were concerned with were getting food finding shelter and staying away from predators it probably wasn't a whole lot of time to get depressed about things or worry about the chemical imbalances in your brain if there were any back then and I'm sure that there were deaths I agree. that caused grief and sadness. But now that we have recession in technology and these things, it's like it opens us up to who knows what. But definitely something is something has changed. That's what I believe. I don't know if it's true. Nobody can prove it. But I know that like when I'm, yeah, that's just kind of what I believe. I mean, it's I interesting something, to think I about. I read something but, a while back that's, that said that the more successful a community becomes – and the less people have to worry about survival, the more, the higher the the rate of suicide. But that's also you got to throw in region, like Southern California has a lot lower suicide rate than Norway because they have seasonal depression there and they battle no sunlight for six months. And so I didn't I, know that. I, I didn't know that statistic. I mean, I think there's I think there's a lot of things a lot of variables that are hard to, to take into consideration that, you know, the blockchain could really help with. <laughs> Bringing it back to crypto. Bringing it back to crypto. <laughs> oh, man, well, Michael and the Bear, we, we talk about fake, fake Toshis and suicide <laughs> and being a caveman and plugging yourself <laughs> into the system. These are all really great topics, actually, that everyone should, yeah. everyone should ask these questions. Yeah, and yes, I, mean, I actually do think I do think blockchain is a technology that could help, and that's the thing. I think it's a, a, a technology that can both that can simultaneously connect us more and also give us the opportunity to disconnect. That's that's the way I see it. And if you yeah. don't think these these, if you don't think philosophy holds value in a society, philosophy is so. Scientific creators, they don't think of, hey, I'm going to go. Um, What's a scientific creator? So, a like, so like a scientist, so somebody who creates like a cure for polio. Oh, like I, I, don't, I don't envision them saying, wake up saying one day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cure polio. It's, they, see, they, they see the pain around them. They have a, a direct contact with somebody who's suffering from it they have this spiritual awakening or or pull or need to try to solve this philosophical problem of 
do we need to die from polio? Is this something that that can be cured? Should it be cured? And then so then they grapple with this, and then they decide, I'm not going to stop until I can find a cure for this, because I don't believe that any child should have to live in an iron lung ever again. I think okay. that we as a society are better than that outcome. And they have to grapple with this philosophical idea of, is it possible? Can I do it? Is it worth my time? Because I'm a smart person and I can work on anything in the world. Is it worth my time philosophically to try to solve this one problem? Because these people work on this for their entire lives pretty much. And so I think this is what philosophy comes to. It's like we have to, you know, if we, if we want the world to start adopting crypto, we have, to have, we have to ask them to think outside of, you know, when Lambo, when Moon, how much money can I make? you know, buy the dip, all this stuff, we have to start asking them to think about what problems can, we have to start treating them like scientists and say, what problem yeah. can you solve in the world with this new technology or old technology that's now being thought of in a different way? Like, like and, and don't think about money, think about philosophical changes to our psyche, to our planet, to anything, like think outside the box. Natural philosophy. Uh, did you know that scientist, the word scientist in the English language really didn't get used until the mid-19th century? Before that, scientists were called natural philosophers. Did you know there that? There you go. Learn something <laughs> every day. Nice. Yeah, that's my little arcane knowledge, bring, bringing it to the show. So <laughs> me and JJ it. aren't scientists. We're natural philosophers. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're finished with the show pretty yeah. soon. Yeah. Unless there's anything else it. you want to throw positive, in there. On that positive note. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. All right. Hey, should so we, we're, we're, we we're being links? more active on our Facebook page. So get on our Facebook page, Michael and the Bear. Or get on Twitter, M and the B. And uh, ask questions. Ask us questions. We'll talk about stuff. You know, yeah, we want to know. know what you think. What'd you All say? right. I said, let us know what we should be talking about because we're interested. Yeah. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. 